We are finishing up a series today called In Game, and it's about the life of Joseph. And I love the Bible. I say this over and over again. It's full of stories about real people and an amazing God. And so you can see this thing, this trajectory of Joseph's life, and we've been riding out the pitfalls with him. And we can, we can all identify with the heartaches that he's gone through. Now, I've never been sold out by my family. Uh, thank goodness. They may have considered it a few times. Being the oldest brother, I definitely was, as, or the oldest kid, I was definitely as an advantage. If anybody was doing the selling, it was going to be me selling the younger three. And uh, I may have tried a couple times. That was pre-eBay, or I may have really done it. But um, that's how old I am. But uh, he went through these crazy things. He was betrayed. He was accused falsely, and he was forgotten. Now, when we get started with Joseph, he is the, the center of his dad's universe when he's born. Why is that? We had to go back just a little bit before because Joseph's got a cool dad. Joseph's dad's name is Jacob, who God would rename to be Israel. Yes, the same Israel that the Jewish people still call their home and their family today. So the, the name, the, the face of this family moving forward is Joe's dad. Pretty cool. Joseph falls in love with this woman named Rachel who is not able to have kids on her own. He ends up having kids through surrogate mothers, basically, and, and a whole big set of drama that you can check out. And then finally, Rachel is able to have a son, and here comes Joseph. So Joseph grows up spoiled. He gets the coat of many colors. He gets the best donkey. He gets the best ladies. He gets it all. He's just, he's rolling. He's 17 years old. And then he's out to see his brothers who are out pasturing, uh, they're leading the, the, the sheep, taking care of the flocks. And he goes out there and the brothers say, we're done with this joker. We're done with him. Now I've, physically hurt my brother at times, and he has tried to hurt me, but I've never really wanted him to be out of my life. In fact, today's a big day for my younger brother. He's uh, being uh, officially licensed as a pastor in the Methodist church today, and so my parents are over there in Urbana today, so so proud of him. He's a great husband, dad, youth pastor, and, and he's going to be planning a church, so just crazy cool. But these 10 brothers see Joseph coming, and they say, we're going to sell him out. They first want to kill him, and the oldest brother talks him into just selling him into slavery. Joseph woke up a son that day, and he went to bed a slave. And we talked about this question that we've all asked, and God isn't afraid of, by the way, and it's the why me question. And if you've been around this planet a little bit, then you've come to these moments with God, and you've come to these moments at the end of yourself, and you've said, why me? And it can be for a thousand different things. And you just look at the situation and you say, how did I end up here? Why was this done to me? I didn't ask for this. And you look up to heaven and you say, why me? And our big thought from that first week was that Joseph never stopped living like a son even though he was a slave. He made it through that time period. It says that he landed on his feet. He landed in a man named Potiphar's house who was captain of Pharaoh's guard. So he ended up in a, in, in a pretty high up guy's house. And so this would have been a, a big establishment. So he's working for a, a big shot. And, and it says that he turned over all of the responsibility to running the house for him. 
And, and Joseph navigates this time. He never stops living like a son. And then old Potiphar's wife decides that Potiphar's just away on too many adventures with the army and that uh, Joseph looks like a good substitute. And so she puts her eyes, she sets her gaze on him, and she is not willing to back off. And she keeps pursuing him and pursuing him, and finally he runs away from her. He's, she's left with his coat in her hands, and she begins to scream. Do y'all have junior high girls in your house? Or have you been around these? I've been a youth pastor, and there's, there's no scream like, like that. And, uh, and so, but I can picture this, this woman, just she starts yelling and yelling, and the people come running to her room, and she says, that Hebrew slave tried to have his way with me. She frames him. The husband comes home. She said, this, guy, this guy's trying to mess with me. Joseph wakes up that morning. He wakes up that morning in charge and he goes to bed in chains. He goes from being a slave, a successful one, running a house, and he finishes that night in prison. Wow. This is something my kids, I think, were born saying. It wasn't me. Any of your kids ever say that? Like, how many kids I got? You know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't me. Have you ever been in a spot where you are taking the heat for something that you didn't do? That's not a lot of fun. I at least want the fun of the trouble if I'm going to get, if I'm going to pay for the trouble, right? <laughs> so here's old Joseph. He's in jail for something that he didn't do, and he's looking at his situation and like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. It wasn't me. And, and we, we said that day that godly character will overcome circumstances. I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know who's against you. And sometimes when prison rules are what's at stake, we make the mistake of lowering ourselves to the common denominator around us, right? Is anybody else living on this planet with me? Come on, give me some feedback. But when this happens, it goes to jungle rules, right? When people are messing with you at work or messing with you at school or messing with you here or there, our instinct is to go down to their level of fighting and to get nasty and take care of business. I've done that a few times. It feels good for the moment, but it doesn't fix anything. How does Joseph navigate this time? Godly character in the midst of being falsely accused and wrongfully imprisoned. If I was falsely accused, like some of these guys that, that come, they have DNA's, uh, DNA work, get some guy out of prison, he's been in there for the last 20 years, and they give him a check. Are you kidding me? Right? This is messed up to be wrongfully imprisoned. This is, this is something that would set most people into just focusing on what's been done wrong to them. And, and you just go into victim mode legitimately. Joe's been done wrong. But he navigates that time because godly character will see you through. And then my buddy Ben last week, he said Joseph woke up waiting and he went to bed waiting. 
woke up waiting, went to bed waiting, woke up waiting, went to bed waiting. Have you ever felt like God misplaced you and forgot where He put you like I do my keys every other morning? You can ask Danielle. I'm terrible about this. But have you ever looked up and said, God, did, did you forget where you put me? I, I, feel like, I feel like we had a plan. Like I feel like we were onto something and I felt like some good things were happening, but I don't see anything different happening. And, and one day is starting to look like the next. And, and I, I may be in charge of this prison, but I don't feel like I was born to be a prisoner, especially wrongfully imprisoned. How do we get through that? Our big thought last week was to hold on to the promises of God. Did you all like Ben's stories about the van? I thought that was really good. I've, I knew those because he's my bud. But there are times where you just have to hang on to what God has said. And every part of, of the plan in our life, every part is going to involve waiting. And I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait for anything. And yet there's these time periods in my life where I'm like, God, I, I, want, to see some, I want to see something different. I want to see You move in this. And, and God's doing something behind the scene. We have seen the favor on Joseph's life right in the midst of all the pain, and he always seemed to land right side up. And we've talked about the, the irony of this or the, the frustration of this, is that Joseph lived with so much favor, yet he couldn't get a break. I mean, it was kind of a break to be the boss of Potiphar's house, but you're still a slave. It's kind of cool to be the boss of the other prisoners, but you're still a prisoner. Like, it's kind of like, that doesn't feel like a real gift, right? Like, it's like somebody giving you a car and saying, well, the payment's coming, you know. Uh, thanks. Um, you know, this, this feels wrong. It feels dirty. Ben finished last week with Joseph going from prison to Pharaoh's palace. I want to give you guys three numbers today. They mean that they're not like some secret combination or something, but we're going to go through these numbers. Say 14. Come on, say 14, 11, and 22. 14 is cows. Tell your neighbor 14 cows. All right, so I think you might have heard this last week. So Pharaoh has two dreams similar that are similar, and one of them is this. He has a dream, and he sees seven fat cows coming out of the water. And then he sees seven skinny cows. Seven plus seven, okay, good. Uh, and then he sees the seven skinny cows eat the fat cows. But then it says that they don't look like they ate anything after that. Be a good problem to have. Fourteen cows. He hears that Joseph, the cupbearer, finally says, oh my gosh, um... My bad, but uh, this guy that helped me get out of prison uh, told me not to forget him, and I just forgot him for two years. But uh, this guy named Joseph, uh, he interpreted my dream, and I think he can interpret your dreams. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and he says, I hear you can interpret dreams. 
I love Joseph's humility. You guys got to see this thread throughout his life. He says, I can't interpret dreams. But God can. And if He chooses to tell me what your dreams mean, I'll tell you. How cool is that? Every gift that I have, every gift that you have, every good thing is really the Lord's. And we would do ourselves a lot of, of credit if we would always remember on who is backing the good stuff. Okay? So Joseph says, I got your interpretation. He says, you're going to have seven years of plenty, of more than enough. You're going to have seven years that are going to blow your mind as a kingdom. It is going to be excess. It is going to be bounty. We are going to be tripping over the harvest. It is going to be on. It is going to feel like, like there's no end to that we can't do any wrong. But, at the end of those seven years are going to come the seven worst years of your life and the history of this nation as far as productivity and crop. There's a drought coming. Well, I don't know about that deal. So you can have your seven best years if, if they're followed up by the seven worst years. And so Joseph says, you need somebody that can set stuff aside during these first seven so that you can get through the next ones. And the same time Joseph says that, he's kind of like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, you know. I, Pharaoh says, you're it. Fourteen. Joseph is running the world's superpower, stacking cash. It says that you get a couple years into this drought and, and the whole area is feeling it. And the people of Egypt, like this is a known thing. This was, I believe, put out to the people. And yet, if you told me that I need to have $1,000 in the bank for six months from now, I don't know if I could pull that off, right? So the people start, oh, the drought thing is real. Well, after seven years of excess, you'd have a hard time believing that something so bad was coming. It said that the people started coming and they started exhausting all of the financial ability that they had, all of the money or things of value like that, and they began trading that away for the grain. You go a little farther and they said, well, we need grain. And Joseph's like, well, what do you got? Well, we can sign our, uh, how about we sign our land over to you and we'll keep eating. Okay, the people started signing their land in droves back over to Pharaoh, back over to the, the head of state. Drought keeps going. People are still hungry. We need food. What do you got? Um, you can have me. I'll sign myself as a slave over to you if you'll feed me. Go through the end of this years of drought and Egypt is sitting as far as the leadership where it owned everything again within everything. Land and people. The, the, the resources at that point are, 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 off the, are, are just piled up and, and, and Joseph is running it all for Pharaoh. It says that he, he ends up with a family there. Pharaoh gives him a wife. He has a couple kids. I want to read you this verse. Genesis 41. 50 and 51. 
During this time before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife. So this is, things are, Joseph's on top of the mountain. Things have been going well. He's got everything ready for the drought. He gets given a wife, and then Joseph names his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Have you ever said something like that? Or the thing that's hurt you the most, one of your ways to deal with it is like, I don't need them. You're dead to me. <laughs> Pull a godfather on them, right? I don't need them. What's really happening inside somebody's heart then? They're trying to separate themselves from something that they love and something they hurt them, and they're trying to put a wall there that says, this, this thing, I don't want this to hurt me anymore. I don't want this to hurt me anymore. Do you realize that Joseph's like 20-some years from, from, from being betrayed by his brothers, and he names his firstborn son, basically, I don't need you anymore? Like, I'm, I'm good now. Well, does that make any sense that I, I don't need to remember them and then name your son something that reminds you of them? <laughs> Genius. Wow. Have you ever been in a good place, but it still doesn't feel right? Isn't that weird? There's, that is one of the most unsettling things. Like if I'm in the middle of a fight, like a dog fight, I know that I'm just, you know, I can see the battle, I can feel it, and, and it, I'm, I, I tend to do almost better there because it's just, let's go. But then you get to this time where, where stuff seems to be in good order and the bills maybe, you know, getting paid and, you know, relationships for the most part, you know, Joseph's got this huge hole from his past, but he is living large at this point. Have you ever been in that place where just, ah, what is, I should be happy. He even names his kid that way. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. Really? Let's go to verse 52. I think it's interesting what he names his second son. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. It seems like the grief is still very real, regardless of the success that he's enjoying. I said 14 cows. The number 11 is for 11 stars. If you go back to the beginning of Joseph's story, he had a dream. He had a dream and a couple, another one that was similar to it, but in this dream, it was 11 stars and a sun and a moon bowing down to him. And the representation right there that was immediately noticed by his own dad was, you think that we're all going to bow down to you? I mean, I love you. You're my favorite, but you are pushing it, boy. Have you ever watched or you think you're watching everybody else's dreams come true and yours is still sitting on a shelf? Isn't that frustrating? 
to look over and think that, okay, so Pharaoh just got his dream what? Like last year or seven years ago and it immediately came into play? God, you gave me dreams 20 years ago and I haven't seen one bit of that. How? Help me out here, Lord. Eleven stars. Twenty-two. Twenty-two years since he had those dreams as a teenager at that point. Twenty-two years since he was back at home on top of the world as a 17-year-old, the, the favorite son heading out to take food and check on his older brothers. Twenty-two years since he had his dreams. There's been times in my life where I felt like I'm watching the world go by me and I wonder, when is it going to be my turn? These are dark days. These are times where you're like, I, I, want to, I want to move forward on what you've given me to do. This feels good, but it's not right. There's something not right here. Joseph would have known the promise on his life. He would have known the promise on his dad's life and, and the future that was promised to his family. Jacob basically received an identical promise that his great-grandfather Abraham had that, that God was going to build a nation through him. And here's Joseph, isolated from his family, saying, I, this feels good, but I know that God had something else for me. How many other dreams do I have to see come true before mine does? And this is why we play the end game as Christians. We live with the end in sight. What do I mean by that? You can read this book and know that we win as Christians, as a group, as a church. We're, we're on the right side of, of heaven. God has called us, redeemed us, and there's an eternal future that are all, all of us are a part of. And so we can see that. But then there's also promises in here and stories of, of a whole bunch of individuals, and we can see that and correlate it to our lives and say, God, you have not wasted carbon right here. I've got a purpose. There's something you're going to use me for. There's something you're going to uh, do with me, in me, through me. And God, I just want to be patient to know that you are going to see me through to whatever you have designed me to do. And, and by the way, the circumstances right now don't fit the end picture. But if we live with the end in sight, then that helps us to hang on to those promises, have the godly character to stay close to God and keep living like a son in the midst of drama. We are playing a title match with a thousand rounds. The hits are going to come. We might get knocked down, but we have to get up and play to the end. I've been knocked down. We can endure anything if we're playing an end game. It has been 22 years since Joseph has seen his brothers as they sold him into slavery. He is now 39 years old. Let's go to Genesis 41. I'm going to read you some verses from the end of 41 into 42. Is this okay this morning? I'll take another week off if you don't pay attention. 41, uh, 56. So at the end of chapter 41, I'm going to read just into 42. 
Uh, so with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Chapter 42, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, talking about Joseph's dad, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at each other? That's a dad line right there. I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear some harm might come to him. The new favorite, basically. So Jacob's sons arrive in Egypt along with others to buy food for the, sam the salmon. The famine was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was the governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Wow. What would you do to the people that ruined your life if given the opportunity? <laughs> Be honest, because I've wished I could order an airstrike on 270. Like, I, I, I want to pay back people, like, immediately for crimes done. Like, can we get a, you know, I got a, I got a green censure right in front of here. Can we take this one out? Uh, they do not know how to drive. Please remove them from the interstate system. Thank you. If I can want retribution swiftly for the wrongs done to me in my commute... Joseph's had 22 years. And yeah, he's landed the right side up and he's doing pretty good at this moment. But it's still not home. It's still not with his dad. Wow. What would you do? I do love that Joseph messes with them for a while. He does. I think that is proof of why the Bible is so real and so good because it's full of real people doing what a real person would do. I'm going to mess with you. And he does. I think he tests their character. He, puts, he hides money in their packs and, and there's this back and forth game. And, and he uses it to negotiate them bringing his younger brother who would have been his full brother. Benjamin was his only full brother that also had the same mother of Rachel. And Rachel died during childbirth with Benjamin. So, that, I mean, this is all he's got that is his, uh, you know, the immediate family within the family is Benjamin and dad. So he negotiates for Benjamin to come, and then he flips it and, and messes with them again, and he gets, or when he finally tells them that, that, that he's there and to go get dad. Get my story straight here. Pharaoh finds out that Joseph's brothers are there and he offers him this region of Goshen to live in. Now just to give you a jump to where this goes to, about 100 people would come representing that were 
Joseph's complete family at that time, that would become the half million people 300 and some years later when Moses takes them out of Egypt. So this is how Israel gets stuck in Egypt, okay? This is the backstory to let my people go, okay? So that's where, that's the next phase of this story. Pharaoh offers them the region of Goshen, but get this, Joseph offers them grace. Listen to Genesis 45, 1-11. Skip ahead a little bit. These pages couldn't be any thinner. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him and the word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's place. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? Wow. But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. Yeah, right. So they came closer and he said to them, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Are you kidding me? Don't be angry. Don't be upset. God sent me here by way of betrayal and slavery and imprisonment. What? When we play the end game, that means that we are locking into God's plan for this planet, not just for the best interest of our lives. It's easy to believe God for the best for you and to be in it to win it, basically, and just be like, God, okay, I'm going to trust you to meet my needs. I'm going to trust you. What we're called to is to relinquish the rights of our life, our preferences, our hopes for what things will look like, and to say, God, use this in any way you see fit, however you want to. And the beauty of that, it allows you to look at the most difficult things you are going through or have been through, and you could be like Joseph and say, God used this. Because what's your alternative? Your alternative is just a heart full of pain and anger because get this, if we are healthy, we will be able to trade revenge for rescue. Let me say that again. If we are healthy, we can trade revenge for rescue. If, if we can tap in to how God really feels about us, regardless of our situation, and we know that He really loves us, then we can take our eyes off of the wrongs that have been done to us, and the focus can, be, can move from just demanding justice to God, how can you use this and oh my goodness, my family still needs saved. The same brothers that betrayed me. 
That's where God wants us to get to. He wants us to get to where we are so secure in our love for Him and knowing how much He loves us that we can trade any amount of earthly pain for His glory. And Christ modeled that for us, by the way, on the cross. What are we willing to endure to see others saved? Did I hurt everybody's feelings? Let me say it again. What are we willing to endure to see other people saved? Oh, but they might, they might not like me. Well, tell them you love them anyways. Tell them, you, all right, do you have a church? Do you, do you, have, do you, do you need help? Can I walk with you through this? Can, what can we do to help you? If we're focused on the justice that we want, we can miss opportunities to love people around us. So we need to trust God for the purpose of our lives. Rejection, slavery, and prison were all parts of Joseph's dreams coming true. That ought to melt your melon. That's some good theology talk there. Rejection, slavery, and prison were all parts of Joseph's dreams coming true. And let's not forget a whole lot of waiting. Do you guys want to be encouraged or what here? Let's go. And finally, Joseph's world is right again. Let me go to Genesis 46, 28-30. Now, why didn't I keep the page open last time? Chapter 46, 28-30. As they neared their destination, Jacob is heading towards Egypt with the rest of the clan. He sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. And when they finally arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. Get the weight of this moment. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. You ever had one of those hugs that you just don't know when it should end? Those are the best ones. He held his dad for a long time. Jacob was old. He says, finally, Jacob said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I've seen your face again and I know that you are alive. Joseph has been betrayed, accused, and forgotten and finally redeemed. Wow. We see the end game. His brothers came to Egypt and his whole family is saved and the future of the nation of Israel is secured because of this entire, what is like four chapters in the Bible of drama, which is really 22 years of Joseph's life, which is a drop in the big scheme of things of what God is doing. And we can't forget on how big He is, how big His plan is, how much He loves us even though we're down in this small piece of it. But God just doesn't... He's not going to do something that's just for my benefit. He's going to do this elaborate thing that blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses 
He does this thing that just affects a nation, a world. Because one person was willing to play the end game. Joseph never stopped living with the end in sight. He never stopped playing an end game. What can we learn? I want to finish with these four quick thoughts. What can we learn from Joseph? And these are the themes from each of these four weeks. Number one is our identity. We keep living like a son. You've got to know who you are in the kingdom of God. He's your dad. He loves you. And regardless of the circumstances around you, you're his kid. He loves you as much as any other one of his kids. And you're going to be okay because you're, you're on his plan. Identity, number one. Number two, character. Godly character will always overcome circumstances. Our role for one of the things we do when we're in the middle Anytime, but when we're in the middle of the fire, when we're feeling like nothing makes sense, we keep acting like one of his kids. Godly character. One identity, two character, three is strength. You have to know where your strength is from. It is not from you. It is not about being your best you. It's not about uh, pulling up your bootstraps and just riding this thing out with gumption and I can take it. No. Our strength is, comes from the Lord. We have to hold on to the promises of God. That is going to be all you have at some times in your life. And they are just as real then as they are at any other time. Your strength comes from the Lord. Identity, character, strength, purpose. Never Stop living with the end in sight. To live with purpose is the game changer of all things. When I was a youth pastor and I could see the light come on and somebody see, oh, there's more to this planet than just girls or, or boys or, or skipping school or, or fill, in the, fill in the stupid thing. If somebody gets a hold of their purpose, they are fine for the most part. And I believe Joseph knew it from birth. He had been spoken into. He had enough love from his father in 17 years that he was able to go through hell on earth and be okay. And to forgive the brothers that sold him into slavery. Can we pray this morning? It's a big message. It's a big series. And I hope it's, uh, I hope it's impacted you and challenged you. Just want to Read those four words again, and I, and I want you to think about where, where you're strong and where you're weak, okay? Identity, character, strength, purpose. These four work in, in concert to allow you to navigate whatever life brings you for the sake of the kingdom of God. that You need all four of these. If you're struggling with identity, identity today, then I just speak to you. A message from Father God's heart that He claims you. He claims you. He'd look at you and say, that one's mine. He loves you. If you're struggling with character today, if you've given into the pressure around you and you're playing by the world's rules in different circumstances, 
building off of that identity, you said, nope, this isn't, this isn't good enough for me anymore. I'm going to act like one of God's kids and trust him to work this thing out. It might look like it's costing me a promotion here or something here or my pride here or giving up this hurt here. But I'm going to act like a son. Strength. You might feel like you're out of gas today. You might not know where the energy is going to come to fight this fight that's in front of you. You may be worn out. And Father God says, I have rest for you. I have strength for you. I want you to rise up like an eagle. I have the strength you need. It's in my word. Find it. Hold on to it. Your strength comes from the Lord. If you're struggling with purpose today, you feel like the boat left without you, or you feel like other people are, are way into their dreams and, and you just don't, you don't see, you, you feel like you've been left on a shelf. God, I, I don't think you've given me enough. I think you maybe forgot about me. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. The Lord would tell you to rest in him today. He sees the end game even when we don't. And to trust him. And to never stop living with the end in sight. Today might just be lousy. And tomorrow might be worse. But I know where my soul is going. I know the trajectory of my spirit. I know that I'm going to sit in heaven with my Father God for all of eternity, regardless of the garbage on this planet. And so I'm going to live with the end in sight. I'm going to play the end game. Just a moment before we end, if you've never trusted God with your heart, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you've never chosen to identify yourself as a child of God by becoming a Christian, call it salvation, it's got a thousand different names, but if you've never given your heart over to him and you're ready today, or you've been away for a long time and you're ready to come back, I want to pray with you. Is today your day to cross that line of faith? I want to pray with you. Raise your hand where you're at and say, I'm coming home. Just like that picture of Joseph wrapping around his arms around his dad and not letting go. Is that you today? Is that how you're going to come and see your father, God in heaven, after a long time or maybe never? Is today your day to do that? Father God, we pray that you would hear our prayers. God, we thank you that our identity, our character, our strength, and our purpose come from you and you alone. Forgive us for trying to find them anyplace else. And God, help us to play the end game for your kingdom, for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and close and worship this morning.